As we continue to worship and explore all the ways that God is holding our lives through the words of the psalm, this morning we look to the text of Psalm 72, verses 1 through 7 and 10, 14, 10 through 14. O God, give your anointed one your judgment and your justice. Teach your chosen one to govern your people rightly and bring justice to the oppressed. The mountains will bring the people peace and the little hills bring justice. Your anointed will defend the oppressed among the people, save the children of the poor and crush the oppressor. The reign of your anointed will endure as long as the sun and the moon and all generations. The rule of the chosen one will be like rain coming down on the meadow, like showers watering the earth. Justice will flower throughout the days, an abundance of peace until the moon shall be no more. Tarshish and the isles will offer gifts. Arabia and Sheba will bring tribute. All rulers will pay homage and the nations will serve your anointed. Your anointed will rescue the poor when they cry out and the oppressed when there is no one to help them. Your chosen one will take pity on the lowly and the poor and will save their lives. Your chosen one will rescue them from all violence and oppression and will treat their blood as precious. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our scripture text this morning is a psalm for Solomon, perhaps written as a prayer or a song by King David for his son, one likely intended to be repeated at the coronation of kings or emperors or other rulers. The attributes of a just and righteous king that are listed after the opening line is a sign. A sign that's letting us know that we are about to hear how that ruler might be judged, the standards that that ruler is expected to meet, and how history will remember or perhaps judge the way this particular leader is going to rule. So much of our worship is meant to instill in us the values of God, to dig into the examples and patterns that that Jesus set in his life and ministry, the qualities of the prophets and kings and rulers that God appointed to steward God's creation and to lead God's people. It may be for a moment that we step back and wonder how all of those things apply to us. You know, those of us who are not monarchs or elected officials or public leaders. I love the way the inclusive Bible translation interprets this particular psalm with the phrase, God's anointed one, as it reminds us the ways in which we are all anointed by God. In each of our own small ways, we are a leader. We have an opportunity to set an example, to follow the patterns and principles of our triune God in our lives every single day. Scripture reminds us continually of God's commanding and guiding premise of love. Love God and love neighbor and love self. That goodness begets more goodness. 
And that love begets more love. The more that we lean into God's premise of love, the more love we're able to engage in, loving ourselves and loving others. When we remember that we are God's beloved, we're invited to remember that our neighbors, that everyone we meet is also God's beloved. So I wonder if with the wisdom and discernment of the Holy Spirit, we might consider holding ourselves to a higher standard. We might be considering the ways in which we are being called to the work of God's beloved community as God's anointed ones. As God's anointed ones were to lead by example, caring for others and inviting all of creation into the work of care with us. This morning's psalm uses imagery from nature, rain on meadows and mountains and flowering fields, and it helps to paint a picture of nurture. Just as gardeners and farmers tenderly nurture their plants and their fields, God's anointed are called to tenderly nurture God's people, treating each and every life as precious. I would imagine that our gifted and talented master gardeners in our Northminster family could tell us of the needs of seeds and seedlings in their growth. Each seedling needs light and warmth from the sun and nutrients from the soil and water from the rain. And while our biological systems are a tad more complex as humans than the plants that we grow, Don't we need sustenance as well? Certainly we need warmth and nutrients and water, but also connection and relationships and community and affirmation and encouragement and support and faith and hope and hospitality and, of course, love. As precarious as a seedling beginning to grow, couldn't we say that we humans need the same tender care as the plants of our gardens? If we imagine that God is holding our lives as tenderly as a small seedling, might we also consider the ways we are called to hold the lives of others in tender care? What might it mean for our lives to nurture ourselves and to nurture one another in the same way that we might nurture a tender seedling? Musician and composer Richard Brooks Vort Cooligan was inspired by the words of this psalm and wrote lyrics that re-envision the calling of God's anointed ones. He writes, You are the goodness reigning on the farmland. Your peace is sprouting on the mountain fields. You are a harvest of the love and justice ripening to feed and heal. These lives are precious. Your anointed one will help the one whose neck is being stepped on. Knock the oppressor, it's your vow. Help the one who's helpless in the moment. Do the act of justice now. These lives are precious. You know these lives are precious. Push against the hatred they have taught us, away with a systematic fear. Help the one whose neck is being stepped on, showering upon the fields with justice. These lives are precious. You know. 
those beautiful words, they make an impact. When you hear that refrain, these lives are precious, what or who are you picturing? How is the Holy Spirit inviting you, God's anointed, to care for the precious lives in your midst? How is the Holy Spirit inviting us, God's anointed, to care for the precious in our midst? How we love is how we lead, and how we lead is how we live. And here's the thing about that. It's countercultural. I think part of the reason many of us have been and continued to be enamored with our National Youth Poet Laureate Amanda Gorman and her words at the inauguration are because she clearly said something that lands strongly and lays upon our hearts. Words that she said continue to echo throughout my, my mind. If we merge mercy with might and might with right, then love becomes our legacy. If we merge mercy with might and might with right, then love becomes our legacy. God's anointed ones, love should be, love is our legacy. We have plenty of heroes from from history and Hollywood that give us examples of a legacy of love. As I searched through my mind and memory for examples to list to you, I was struck by how many male and masculine examples came to mind and how hard it was for me to come up with female and non-binary examples. Sure, we have the example of plenty of superheroes like like Spider-Man. With great power comes great responsibility. I thought of one woman, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman who challenged her team when they were on this mission to find the god of war. And then they were struck by this one war-torn village and its residents and how Wonder Woman refused to move on towards the greater goal without stopping and caring for the vulnerable in her midst. I think about my absolute favorite television show, The West Wing, and how all of the senior staff who serve at the pleasure of the president bring their own gifts and their own abilities so that they can let Bartlett be Bartlett and allow him to lead with a legacy of love that cares for all of the people of his country. I imagine any one of us might be able to call to mind a, a training montage of some kind from our favorite movie or book or television series that the kind that watches a protagonist grow into the leader or the hero that the story needs them to be. It's rare that we have a group leadership example to follow. Our country and our culture seem to prefer this kind of a a hierarchy. It's far easier to follow than it is to lead, and we want to follow the leaders we recognize and idolize and agree with. Our culture leans on capitalism and meritocracy and privilege and power and bias. In God's beloved community, the economy is one where every single one of us brings our own gifts and leads with what we've got. 
everyone, every single one in God's beloved community, from the newborn to the chronologically advanced, everyone on the gender spectrum, everyone with every kind of ability or preference or bias or association. Everyone brings what they've got to lead because everyone is God's anointed. In God's beloved community, all of God's anointed lead by examples of justice, of caring for the vulnerable, of practicing empathy, of speaking truth to power, of feeding the hungry in body and mind and spirit and circumstance. Being a leader in God's beloved community is not like being a leader the way that we think in this world. We can't shrink back from leading by example, from following the patterns that are set by our triune God from living into this legacy of love. God is holding our lives, our holy and anointed lives, and inviting us to do the same, to lead with love and with tender care. A leader in God's beloved community is not governed or judged by qualities like introvert or extrovert or public speaking ability or charisma or popularity or influence. In God's beloved community, we are all God's anointed. We are all chosen by God to lead with love to receive the abundant love of God and to allow it to change and transform us and to shine that same love through the practice of radical hospitality and so much more to the world. We cannot wait for someone else to lead us. We cannot sit back when there is so much work to be done. You are God's anointed one. We are God's anointed ones, and it is time to lead. So may we do so with the strength and power and wisdom and discernment of the Holy Spirit now and tomorrow and forevermore. May this be so. Amen.